0: to let Centric Radio, the podcast that's a literacy coach in your pocket. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Webb. Well, today is the big day. We're wrapping up season three of the podcast and getting ready to dive right into season four. So many fabulous new books on the way and lesson ideas that are sure to keep your students engaged through the end of the school year. And if you recall, at the end of season four, that'll be um, right around the time where uh, the schools wrap up for the year, at least here in the United States, that's the case. And uh, that means that we'll take a little summer break uh, from the show, and then new episodes will come out again in August uh, for season five. So if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to Litcentric Radio wherever you listen to the podcast, whether that's iTunes or Spotify or any other platform. Um, or even on Anchor, make sure you subscribe because um, as lessons get released and the new episodes start up in August, they'll just download right into your feed and you won't have to worry about missing any of them. So if you haven't subscribed, do that right away. And there's one more thing you're gonna wanna make sure that you check out before season four actually begins next week. So uh, as you remember, every single episode, we feature a lesson that goes with a fabulous book and um, all of those lessons are part of a growing bundle of lessons that I sell at letcentric.com. And uh, right now, if we include this week's episode, there are 36 lessons in there for uh, $19 and those lessons have text-dependent questions for you, uh, photos of the bridge chart, as well as the writing task that brings everything together so you have a full kind of series of activities that line up really nicely and improve students' reading comprehension and give them practice in the thinking skills and discussing and the writing that we need them to do in response to their reading. And that one-time purchase of $19 gets you access to all 36 lessons, plus all the lessons that get published, you know, from here on out. So if you wait, you're of course still going to be able to purchase into those lessons and still get a great deal, but the price will go up a little bit. So you have until, uh, March 1st, 2020 to get that low price of $19 and lock that in. Um, and from then it's going to keep going up and up and up. So you don't want to wait. In today's episode, we're gonna take a look at alliteration and we're going to use the text chicks and salsa. And there's so many reasons to love this book, but the main reason why I love it is because it's so much fun. It's fun because of the alliterative aspect of it, and because the premise is really silly, and so of course kids really enjoy the story for those reasons. And those are the exact same reasons why I like to use this book with kids. I like to um, have them really learn to describe a silly scenario with some alliterative descriptions, and this is a great book to do both of those things in our bridge chart today and talking with students we're going to be showing them how to generate um, nouns and verbs that go along with a silly scenario and how to match those up and create some alliteration in some sentences that they can then illustrate and make part of a class book that is a lot of fun to write and probably even more fun to read so let's take a look at today's text chicks and salsa There were grumblings in the hen house of Nuthatcher Farm. The chickens were tired of chicken feed. The rooster took it upon himself to solve this problem. Mrs. Nuthatcher, the farmer's wife, had started watching cooking shows in the afternoons. The rooster was perched on a fence post outside the farmhouse window when he discovered the solution to his problem. Salsa! Led by the rooster, the chickens crept into the garden, where they took tomatoes and uprooted onions. That night, the chickens ate chips and salsa, though nobody was quite certain where the chickens got the chips. The tasty tang of tomatoes and onions hung over the barnyard, and the rooster said, "Ole." So as you can tell, Chicks and Salsa is super cute. Every kid likes it. It's a lot of fun to read out loud, not hard to read. Uh, But you can hear that alliteration and kids will oftentimes they'll recognize something's going on with the word choice. You know, they can tell that that um, there's some playfulness to it and some structure to it, but they don't necessarily know, first of all, what alliteration even is but they're not necessarily realizing that that's what's going on with the word choice. So, this is a really fun book to bring that to their attention. And as far as, you know, poetic elements go, alliteration is something that's not nearly as hard to do as some other kind of, you know, fancy language or fi- figurative language goes. It's it's a pretty simple one that as long as kids have enough phonemic awareness skills to identify um, you know, if two words have the same beginning sound, then they can do this on their own. And uh, if they need some support from you in that area, you can certainly give that to them. They can still participate and have a good time with this type of lesson that we're gonna explore today. There's something fabulous about this book. It's not just the alliteration, but the pattern that the author used to kind of roll out the different, you know, chickens, ducks, pigs, and how, you know, the scenario plays out. There's, if you really go back and look really carefully with your students um, at the actual word choice used, he does a great job of repeating certain things, but giving enough of a twist that um, it still feels a little bit fresh. So for example, uh, it starts out saying that there were grumblings in the um, in the hen house, right? So the chickens weren't were happy, they were grumbling. Then um, with the ducks, they were mumbling. And with the pigs, there were rumblings. So grumbling, mumbling, rumbling. I mean, that's not alliteration, but just the perfect word choice of that to show, you know, the similar scenario playing out, but to have the word choice so dialed in like that, I just think is so cool. So it's a lot of fun to show kids even just those aspects of it. So to create the bridge chart today, we're actually going to have kids explore alliteration, and we have to define that for them. So alliteration being when two words or several words in a phrase start with the same um, sound. So it doesn't have to be the same letter, but the same sound is what's important. So for example, if a wor- one word started with a K and another word started with a C and both words say K for the first sound, then that would work for alliteration. So it's really about how the words play on your ear. Um, and it really leads into nice sentence fluency for that reason. So we're actually gonna have students work on a class book and uh, each student is going to contribute their own page of the book. And of course, students could work together uh, to contribute a page of the book. You can decide whatever your students need and whatever kind of uh, supports that they need in order to uh, contribute, go ahead and do that. Um, but here we're going to actually kind of create two bridge charts. Well, one's really just a chart for us to document and understand the word choice that's going on, especially the alliteration. And then with that kind of mini lesson underway, then we can move into the actual bridge chart that's going to help students with the writing piece that they're going to do. So similar to how we talked about grumblings and mumblings and rumblings, we're going to go back through the book with kids and have them help us pick out um, where some of the alliteration happened. And in some cases, the alliteration was actually more visual, like. Here, when we talk about the different animals, how they got into the garden to get the ingredients, it says the chickens crept. And so, of course, chicken starts with ch and crept starts with k. So not exactly the same thing, but they both start with c, so we can show kids that. And then the ducks dipped and the pigs plotted. So um, there's enough similarity there to understand that even just the way that the pigs or the animals entered the garden, that was an opportunity for the author to play with alliteration and some word choice. Later, the alliteration gets um, a little bit clearer, I think, and easier to detect when the animals are actually gathering up those ingredients out of the garden. So we have took tomatoes, uprooted onions, Uh, selected cilantro, gathered garlic, borrowed beans, chopped chiles. Um, And then later when those ingredients are gone because Mrs. Nuthatcher has collected them, um, that page is great because it says the scallions had been stolen, the peppers had been pilfered, the limes had been lifted. So Um, It's nice on that page to show how alliteration isn't just necessarily two words back-to-back that start with the same sound, but that you could use the same sound in a phrase like that, you know, limes had been lifted, to show that you can still achieve that alliterative kind of experience there, even if the words aren't back-to-back. So I want to show students how that works and how carefully the author had to consider that word choice in order to get that result, because it really takes an extra several layers of effort really to be that successful with that type of writing. So the bridge chart we're going to make is going to help our students to um, to pull some language, some nouns and some verbs that they can use to write uh, the class, their page of the class book that they're going to do. And we need to pick a silly scenario for the class because in this case for Chicks and Salsa, the silly scenario was the fact that um you know the problem was they were tired of their food and so they all started exploring you know what they're calling southwestern cuisine what we would call uh mexican food here in california these are foods we eat all the time we're very lucky that we're close to mexico and we have wonderful mexican food here in california so all these ingredients and all these things uh, are things we eat a lot and um in this case uh, we we need to plan a similar scenario, or at least a scenario that's silly in this way, where maybe animals or people behave you know, a little bit differently than usual. So there's lots of uh, scenarios that your class might come up with. And in this case, I'm just gonna pick kind of an easy one to demonstrate it for you, but you can pick any scenario that your kids might wanna explore. And here for our bridge chart, we're going to uh, basically, it's kind of like a T-chart. Uh, we're gonna have one column on the left, one column on the right. And the column on the left is going to be exclusively nouns, and the column on the right is exclusively verbs. And uh, those are the types of alliteration we're going to be matching up. A noun matched to a verb that starts with the same sound. But we can't just put any nouns and verbs because they have to match our silly scenario. So in this case, I think um, the example I'll give is uh, your class is planning a party. Um, You could say the animals are planning a party, and again, have it placed on a farm. Uh, It's easier, I think, if this is the first time your students are exploring this, easier just to give them something maybe not quite so silly, but still a little bit fun where, oh, what kind of party could we be planning? What would you bring to the party, basically? And because each student is gonna contribute their own page, they get to decide what fun thing they might wanna bring to the party. So your students are going to, um, knowing that that, that's a scenario they're gonna explore, they get to come up with the nouns or the items that they would want to bring to the party. And it's okay if kids come up with the same item because it's all gonna end up on the chart in the end. Um, But what you wanna have kids do is, I would give every kid a sticky note Or a three by five card, something that you can go ahead and either glue or stick up onto your chart so you're not doing all the writing. Because I want students to go off and do some of the writing and and have some fun generating these ideas before instead of just, you know, kids raise their hand one at a time and and list ideas. I think it's better for them to think it through a little bit. So every kid gets a sticky note. They go off and write one or two things that they want to bring to the party. And it could be, um, it could be, really anything that's fun. Uh, It could be ingredients for food, it could be decorations, it could be a game to play, it could be music. You know, all these fun things that we think about with a party. So let them generate those ideas. Um, I like to have uh, each idea on a separate sticky note because it's easier to eliminate things later. So uh, when kids come over, we put everything up on the chart, all the nouns under the planning a party side of the chart on the left. And we go through all of them. If there's any duplicates, we remove those, which is fine. Um, and then if kids want to add any other uh, ideas, because oftentimes if they see ideas or you know party items that other kids have generated, they'll start thinking of something new. So I um, send kids off with another sticky note, often like uh, with a partner, and have them talk it through it and generate a few more ideas. The more ideas, the better. And we put all of those up on the chart as many as we can fit. Then on the other side, uh, the teacher has a task to do. While the students are generating those ideas, I like to actually um, write down a list of verbs that we can use because I find that the students are gonna have an easier time generating party items than they are uh, synonyms for uh, verbs for um, getting and taking things uh, because that's what we need them to do. Just like when the chickens and the ducks and the pigs went into the garden and they took things, We're going to use those same type of synonyms, and that's really tricky to generate that type of language, especially with younger students who maybe don't have a lot of experience with these synonyms. So on that right, uh, this column of verbs is going to be synonyms for got or took. And I'm going to actually put got or took in the past tense because all, this, all the synonyms we're gonna generate, all these verbs are also gonna be in the past tense. And the reason I'm doing that is because when students go to write about the things that they took or got for the party, those also need to be in the past tense. And so this way I'm modeling the language and that you know kids are actually gonna use and they can just lift it right off the chart and use it successfully. That's a particularly good strategy to use for your English learners or really any student who's learning academic English Make sure on your chart the verbs you're using are in the tense that matches the genre the students are going to be writing in. It just makes it a lot more accessible for them, and just, you know, they're going to have more success right off the bat if we um, add that extra layer of support in there. So, for the verbs, some of the example verbs are going to be, um, you know, acquired, bought, clutched, confiscated, uh, discovered, extracted, gathered, nabbed, obtained. Um, pulled purchased those kind of words and um, in the centric radio lesson that goes along with this uh, with this episode and with this book I have a huge list of words are for you I think there's about 30 words 30 different verbs that you can use um, that students can pick from to help them write and I like to actually list them on the chart in alphabetical order or at least in the sense of like all the words that start with a are in a group and all the words that start with B are in a group and that kind of thing because in a moment, students are going to be looking at the nouns um, and matching those to the verbs, at least matching the initial sound. So, like I said, while students are off generating those party items or those nouns, you're listing all these different verbs on the chart so that when they get back to you, you've got a whole bunch on there. Now, if you want your kids to help generate some of these verbs or these synonyms forgotten, took Feel free to do that and add them to your chart. It'd be great because there's, there's a lot more you could be using. Um, but yeah, add them to the chart if you'd like to. And then uh, students are going to help you eliminate the nouns or those sticky notes that they generated. They're going to help you eliminate the ones that do not have the same beginning sound as one of the verbs on the list. Because uh, the verbs on the list do not start with every letter of the alphabet. We have A, B, C, D, and E, but we don't have anything for F. We don't have anything for I uh, or J or, you know, letters like that. So if there's a party item that starts with the same sound, it gets to stay on the chart. If we have an item that doesn't have a matching verb with the same sound, we're going to eliminate it off the chart. Or if we can come up with a verb that's going to match that sound, then we'll add it. So hopefully that makes sense. By the end, you want... Nouns on one side, verbs on the other, and plenty of opportunities for students to match up a noun and a verb with the same sound. Because in the end, they're going to have to pick a couple of nouns and a couple of verbs that match up like that, so they can write about um, what they would bring to the party. So maybe your students um, could have a sentence frame something like, Julie was so excited for the party. She confiscated candy and picked up a pinata and brought it to the party, something like that. So uh, we want students to be able to have plenty of nouns and verbs to choose from to make it easy for them to actually pull what they need and lift it off the chart and use it um, in their sentence or a sentence or two. And then um, add a beautiful illustration to that because like I said, it's gonna be part of a class book. And with a great class book, you want really fun illustrations to go along with it. And I promise you, this book will be one that kids will want to read over and over again. Now, one thing I want you to note, I get this question a lot when I'm working with teachers on uh, writing, especially writer's workshop, where we're really talking about students working in different phases of writing, specifically when they go to publish their writing. Now, there's lots of different ways to publish student pieces. And generally, when I um, help students through the publishing stage, I'm not necessarily expecting them to have their piece absolutely perfect. Um, we're going to work and make it the best that we can, but if there's you know, a tricky word that they misspelled or if something's a little bit off, I'm not expecting perfection because it's not the best use of my time or their time. Um, I don't want them making something absolutely perfect and then that um, prevents them from spending time writing something new. I want them to keep writing. So we go through the publishing phase kind of as quickly as we can to get the piece ready so that it's something that um, they're proud of and it looks a little more polished and they've learned a little something through the process. However, when I have students publish a class book, it's a very different story. That class book, um, in my opinion, needs to be you know, grammatically correct, all the spelling should be correct. And the reason is, is because with a regular published piece, maybe we're just putting it on the wall and we're enjoying it or I'm sending it home or they're, you know, giving it to someone and that's great. And it looks like, you know, what that student, you know, worked really hard on that piece. But when it's a class book, I wanna make sure that everything in it is correct because the purpose of that book is now to be read. And I don't want students reading a book over and over again full of mistakes because they're going to start internalizing those mistakes. So can you see the difference there between publishing and saying job well done and give them a pat on the back versus publishing to be read over and over again and enjoyed by others in a book kind of scenario? So uh, with my students, I may have them write out these sentences and there may be mistakes in them, you know, as they go. But... I can help them clean up those mistakes or even just take them and type out the sentences for them on a fresh sheet of paper and clean up whatever little errors they had and then have students go ahead and illustrate after the fact uh, so that I'm guaranteed that when they read this, the mistakes are fixed and that's not going to be an issue, but it's still their work. It's still the words that they came up with and then they get to illustrate it. So it still very much feels like um, it really came from them and I was just kind of the editor in the process. So hopefully that helps you out, not only with this type of project, but with future projects in your classroom. And I hope that you try out Chicks and Salsa. It's a lot of fun. And a let Radio lesson for uh, this text, of course, is at letcentric.com in the shop tab. And uh, this week is the very last week that you can buy all those lessons for that one low price. It will be going up um, next week on, uh, episode 37, the beginning of season four. So I'm excited to bring you season four next week, and we hope you have a great day at school.